listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about challenges in sales and product development when you are in an extremely dynamic industry. Now, most of you will think, you know, hey, I'm in a dynamic industry, but I'm talking about industries that go through significant changes. Amtrak thinking about themselves as transportation instead of trains kind of changes. To help us do that, we have with us Jim Dolce, Vice President of Technology and Strategic Business Development at Fujifilm North America. Jim, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Hey, thanks. Uh, thank you, Chad. It's a real pleasure to speak with you. And, you know, I really enjoy speaking with you in general, Chad. But in this context, I, I hope I'll be able to contribute some value to your audience. Oh, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. But before we jump in, I have to, I have to bring this up now for the audience's sake. Uh, Jim and I have known each other for years. I, I used to sell to him when he was at Fuji. We became uh, good friends. And there's an interesting, from a sales perspective, an interesting kind of progression uh, that I've seen Jim go through from leading up development to jumping over and doing some business development and strategy and then back. And so can you help just kind of give the context of that journey for our audience uh, so they understand that you're bringing, you know, deep knowledge from two very disparate parts of an organization. Um, sure, sure. Okay, I'll I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> so, um, so first, let me explain that I work with the within the imaging division of Fujifilm North America, and our uh, our business is still very much focused on photos and printing. Much of what I suspect the audience associates Fuji with. Um, the portion of our business has been. This portion has primarily been a sales and marketing organization historically. Um, and over the past five, six years, we've really had to shift to becoming a product development organization. Um, and so much of that product development is software-based, and that's where I really come in. I've been in software development and, and software management my entire career. And, um, and our organization itself has been primarily a B2B company here in the U.S., you don't always hear about us, but you hear about all the big players in the photo industry that we serve and, and support. And much of the software that we've developed over the years has been to customize solutions that help those retailers. You know, we work with some of the world's largest retailers and the largest photo companies, and, and all of the software has been about helping them meet their needs. And uh, the role in my shifting has really been around turning that around and looking at instead of how we create value for our customers, how we create new innovative products for their customers and really focusing on our customers' customers and, and looking at how we can leverage software and how we can advance our business and expand our markets and channels through new solutions. And everyone is aware of the explosion of photos <laughs> that's taken place <laughs> over, you know, the last few years. And, and so with that, we've recognized that um, new business opportunities will, will really come around software solutions, new products that we can bring to market. And so coming from the technology side and seeing how we could meet those opportunities with solutions uh, caused us to have my role shift and move from uh, software, leading the software development organization to leading a biz dev organization. And that was out working with lots of companies throughout the industry, big and small, 
uh, worked with a lot of startups as well as some of the biggest players in the industry to try to understand where are their unmet needs and how we can address them with, uh, with our technology. And um, so I've been doing that as part of my shift. And then recently I've actually shifted back to um, <laughs> running the development organization. Change is again. the only constant. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, uh, at, at the end of the day, it, it's still looking at um, there's a much broader customer segmentation out there today. Uh, how can we develop new solutions to meet their needs and create real value for their customers? So um, I'm not sure if that answered your question, Chad, but uh, there, there's my quick 30 second blurb, I guess. Oh no, it was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, Fuji, you know, a lot of people be familiar with Kodak, at least those guys that are, that are my age or older, remember the dominance that, that companies like Kodak had, and then all of a sudden disappeared. Well, it seems like all of a sudden in, in retrospect, but Fuji's done an amazing job of, I think, staying ahead of that curve and reimagining, you know, who they are and that view of product development, software, how really reimagining how you think of people capturing memories and moments. Uh, those are the conversations that you and I started having years ago. And it's been yeah. phenomenal to watch that progression take place. And as you went from curious as you went from straight up you know product development into biz dev what was that transition like how did it how did it feel how did you leverage the the product development into that you know business development and strategy side of the game um well it was well, it was interesting for me chad the the challenge there is has been as a software developer um and as a software development team you see that you could be doing so many different things and the idea of um, building cool software, <laughs> building cool applications, because you can, right? And then, <laughs> uh, and then the shift to, okay, but what we're really looking to do now is create value and be able to build a sustainable business. So how do you look at where you're gonna invest your software development dollars or any of your technology dollars to really be able to build a long-term sustainable business versus just having some fun building some, some cool technology. I think that was probably the biggest challenge for me um, because I, I come from this world of development. I, I see so many great things we could be doing. Now to be able to apply a business case to that and put a business perspective onto it and really look at it and say, where is the opportunity? Is it a, a short-term win versus a long-term sustainable business? That was, that was probably the biggest challenge I had and then a little, I've, I've worked with sales and, and business leaders for years. Speaking language wasn't a problem. Uh, it was much more of the mindset that I think I had to, that I had to shift um, as I adapted into that new role. So help me understand that mindset shift. What, give me a little more detail around that. So, um, you know, what's interesting for me is, is uh, I may look at, we, we started looking at customer segments and, um, uh, seven years ago, Chad, our, the whole industry saw our customers as one customer, the soccer mom, right? And it was all about <laughs> how to get the that. soccer mom to print their photos, right? Yeah. Um, today, everyone takes photos and everyone has so many different needs and, and what they do with those photos is all so different. And, and so now you can look and you can imagine for just about anybody a new app, you could develop a new solution you can develop. And so part of the mindset was stepping back and looking at um, not who our current customers were, but who the non-customers were. Who are the people that are not printing 
in our world, because that's what we're still about driving in, in my section of Fuji, is driving that printing business. And, and what are the things that we can do for them? And it's not about getting everybody to print all their photos. That's not really what anybody wants or needs. It's really about how do we create products that people will find great value for, they'll cherish for years to come, that they'll give us great gifts, um, or that they'll just use for whatever purpose they have. Um, maybe it's completing a homework assignment or decorating their dorm room. So um, as we started looking into this and we started remapping out a whole new customer segmentation, the amount of opportunities out there were, were incredible. And, and we immediately had a list of 100 different projects that we could take on in a very <laughs> short time. How do you take that 100 projects and whittle it down to where is our opportunity for creating real long-term value? And uh, I think that was part of the mindset that kind of really took a little bit to get, you know, to take hold and to then instill in my team, you know, that, that, it's, that it's not just about going after each of these opportunities. It's, it's going to be about where can we provide the greatest value and, and where can we create a long-term sustainable business? Yeah. From a sales, from a sales perspective, we, when, we, when we're working with sales teams, we think of that as the difference between opportunity discovery and opportunity creation. Hmm. So like, these are the things that, you know, these are the things we know we could do, but what about the things that we're not aware of? Let's spend yeah. some time, you know, what's going to provide the greatest value. That's one of the reasons. That's why I think you and I hit it off. I was so interested in understanding what your vision for the solution up to all these problems could be. And I got really passionate about that. And so mm -hmm. it's in sales, we want to figure out, okay, yeah, there's all the opportunities you can identify, but here's all the ones that, you know, are probably with a little bit more work, if you uncover them, you can actually create those opportunities for long-term value. Yeah, and absolutely. that's the fun of it. I mean, from, from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go macro for just a second here and talk about Fuji's business objectives, mission. You know, what's the, what's, what are you guys strategically focused on for the rest of this year and into 2019? So um, interestingly, as a business, we've, we've survived through diversification and, um, uh, you know, when I started in, in this business with Fuji just about 15 years ago, um, it was actually at the peak of the photo printing business. I think that was the year that the, the, the U.S. sold the peak number of uh, rolls of film. And I, believe it or not, Chad, I think it was like 880 million rolls of film Whoa. developed and processed that year. And this past year, that, that number is about 15. So um, massive, massive disruption to the business. <laughs> Um, fortunately, what's really interesting is the, the technology behind film, um, the technology of the chemistry and working at things at a nano scale um, applies to so many other industries. And, and so we diversified, and, and you referenced Kodak, in many ways we diversified in a similar way that Kodak did. We, we got into medical fields, we got into other uh, fields that really leverage that core knowledge that we gained from all the years of R&D, uh, understanding film and understanding how you manufacture paper and the various substrates. Um, right now, we as a company are actually focused on six priority business fields. Um, one of them is, is still digital imaging. It's still a, a strong passion for us as a company, but we're also very focused on healthcare, highly functional materials, document solutions, optical devices, and uh, graphic systems, which is, is still about the printing industry, but at a much larger scale. And, you know, as, 
as a company, we, we strive to use leading edge proprietary technologies uh, to provide top quality products and services that really contribute to the advancement of culture, science, technology, uh, and industry, um, as well as improved health and environmental protection in society. Um, you know, that, that can sound a little bit cliche, um, and, and lots of teams and companies talk about their commitment to, to society, but, you know, we, we really do have a very strong commitment to the environment, and we back that up with real sustainable uh, sustainability initiatives. Um, we have a strong commitment to health and well-being, and and are backing that up with the work we're doing in the medical fields and including, you know, we do regenerative medicine um, today, which I suspect would be a surprise to most of the audience. Yeah. You should see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all of that comes from knowing the technology at a nanoscale that originated with, with film and, and how you manufacture film. And it, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, people uh, oftentimes I, I say I work for Fujifilm and, and, and people's responses, do they still make film? Um, well, interestingly enough, actually last year film use grew because it's kind of a, a cachet. It's, there's a little bit of a niche audience where, especially with the millennial generation, that there's photographers that want to go back to using um, film and they want to experience that for the first time in their, in their careers. Um, but what, what you may not know is, is virtually every device that you carry with you, every L, uh, LCD screen, probably in all of our TVs has a layer of our film behind it. And, and all of that film is helping you, for example, to see the device at any angle, to see the image and be able to see that picture, uh, no matter what angle you're looking at it, that's part of our film. And ah. yeah. And so, you know, pe people don't recognize that it, it's all about the photographic film, but, but we've actually leveraged that technology in, in so many, in so many other ways. And, and then for me, um, on the end and the imaging side, you know, we'll always be committed to making it easy to capture, share, and preserve your memories and tell the stories of your lives with photos. You know, that's, that's my particular passion and why I, uh, why I work in the imaging division. And so when we look at, you know, kind of those objectives to get into those deeper into those six uh, areas, I'm, I'm sure that there's metrics of, you know, we, I could, any salesperson worth their salt would probably go look at the, at the 10 Ks and stuff like that. But, um, you know, there's metrics associated with, you know, market penetration and all of that stuff. But I'm curious if, if that's top line objective, how's that presenting itself in your day to day, you know, your day to day metrics or the things that you're measured on or your goals you're trying to hit? Yeah. So for me in particular, um, I can't speak to the other areas of our business with, with respect to their day-to-day -day and, the, and the metrics that they're all tracking. Um, in our imaging world, our objectives are really being impacted by a very dynamic and rapidly changing world of photos, images, and videos. Um, so uh, for us, we have to look at what percentage, for, for me in particular, what percentage of our resources are actually devoted to supporting our existing businesses and how much we're investing in the future with new business development. Um, this looks at where we're spending our marketing dollars, our product introductions, our resource allocation across software teams, um, how much of that is really focused on the present versus the future. And, and some of that goes back to, Chad, I, I referenced that we, we work with some of the world's largest retailers and we support their businesses today. And so there's a lot of what I'll refer to as legacy business um, that we still work hard day to day to continue to grow and advance. And yet at the same time, there's this huge opportunity facing uh, both us and our customers and our non-customers in the sense that um, 
the, the explosion of photos that, that's taken place. And so for right now, one of the key things I have to look at is, is how much of our resources, whether it's marketing dollars or software developers, are allocated towards uh, preserving and extending our, our kind of legacy businesses versus where are we investing for the future, how much that is investment uh, on our collective future success, because we still maintain a very strong focus on our B2B partners. So I don't know if that completely answers your question, but give you a little bit of an insight as to how we look at that. Yeah, and so I would assume then you're probably also keeping really close track on margins, right, and profitability from investment to ROI. Yeah, yeah. One one thing I can share with you, Chad, is is that as a company, um, we have virtually no debt, and we focus very heavily uh, heavily on profitability. So at the end of the day, profitability is a, a key area that we we focus in on every project that we take on, every new business venture that we we consider at the end of the day, aside from the value it's going to create from our customers, uh, we have to think about our company and the profitability that we can uh, that we can generate. And and so what problems, so what challenges are you having where problems are getting in the way of, of the, or I should say, what problems are you managing to resolve in order to make sure you're, you're maintaining the profitability that you're, you know, that that ROI is there? What types of things or challenges do you wrestle with on a regular basis? Uh, some of what we wrestle with is, uh, is the challenge is actually a blessing, right? We have, we have some amazing and wonderful customers today and they have very real and tangible needs in the present. And um, squeaking out extra profitability on a, a long-term business that you've been running, uh, you, you have to deal with operational efficiencies, but you also have to deal with changing some mindsets and, and helping people move towards the future. And because of the nature of our industry, uh, a lot of our customers that we work with, the, the photo industry just tanked, right? And the printing business declined significantly. So staffs were reduced. Um, and that and that meant that our customers placed a greater reliance on us to help them maintain and then grow that business. So a lot of our challenge is about balancing how we continue to meet their needs, um, developing solutions for them that will not only help them today, but lead them into the future. And I think that's one of our biggest challenges because they're running very lean um, and, and across the I think across most companies, uh, capital has, has been a challenge for several years. So investing in new equipment that can manufacture great new products, that's always a challenge. Um, and then showing them the return and what it's going to take and uh, to get that return, what kind of investment they're going to need on their part. Um, you know, I think those are some of the areas that uh, are particularly challenged for a B2B company like us. It's not something that we can go out and focus on directly with how we interact with our end consumers. It's really about our customers and understanding their business models, understanding their profitability, what drives their profitability. How do we support that while still driving our profitability? I think those are some of the trickier challenges we deal with. Well, and that makes, I mean, that's a, that definitely increases, unless I miss my guess, the focus on, you know, your account managers, your BD guys, the, the relationship managers, whatever you're calling them internally yeah. that work with those people. I mean, that, that puts a lot of pressure on them to really understand your customers' businesses because it's, you're really one step removed from where the transaction's happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Chad. And the, the interesting thing is, is that for some of our, our biggest and best customers, 
They've been customers for a long time. We've been working with them for a long time. We understand their businesses really well. And some, you know, the players change over the years, but in, in general, we've maintained really good and really strong relationships. And, and I think you're right, that's been a, a critical component of our success there, is just having that ability to understand our customers, their business, what, what makes them tick. And, and, and that can be down at an individual personal level. Sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? And, and understanding the differences between someone who's running a business at one company versus another and, and what that means in terms of how you have to adapt your practices uh, is a very real part of, of doing business successfully with, uh, with, with your customers. And I, I think you know that coming from your, your, uh, <laughs> your sales background, Chance. So. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And so it's also an interesting challenge as I kind of think through it, like as your customers go through their own innovation or dealing with disruptions in their industries, those relationships, those connection points, even as people change, uh, that's almost, I mean, that's like an MBA in a bell jar. I mean, it's got to be unbelievable to have access to and be a part of that, not only to see Fuji's response, but to see your customers as they go through innovation cycles or dealing with yeah. disruption cycles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and how, those, how their innovation cycles impact us, um, we, we feel that all the time. And as companies introduce new technology, and you know, we work with retailers among other players, but as the retailers introduce new technology into their stores, um, how do you work within their regulations and their rules to take advantage of that? Or how do you adjust your systems quickly to meet the challenges of or adopt some new technology that they're rolling out? Um, that's a constant. And, and then, you know, our retailers don't sit still and wait for us to, to sell all the <laughs> they're, they're out there, you know, and doing their own homework and, and trying to figure out where they need to be going. And, and that often means they may be bringing things to us to evaluate and say, does this make sense? Can we make this work? Um, what do you think? And, and, you know, the fact that we have a great, strong, collaborative relationship with our, with our customers and, and partners uh, makes that all doable. But um, it, it's definitely a learning experience every step of the way. And, um, you know, if, if I could use this to get credit for an MBA, Chad, I would. But uh, <laughs> But it, for, for now, I'll just take it as, as it's all been good, good experience and, and good education. And so as you've gone kind of across time and the roles have kind of changed back and forth and the industry continues to evolve and Fuji is a phenomenal, phenomenal company from my perspective, but I'm curious how you've seen your own perspective change in terms of working with and empowering your teams internally going from, you know, product development, software development guys to working with BD guys to, to back, you know, how has your perspective shifted in terms of what it takes to enable those teams or, you know, uh, kind of expanded your role or your perception as, as manager and leader internally? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Chad. And I think that um, retrospectively, uh, I have to just confess, um, I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> And, first steps admitting you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's a lot that um, uh, I'm a control freak and I'm a workaholic, too, too dangerous, kind of, you know, uh, traits. And, and so there's a lot that I do because I can. And one of the biggest things that I've, I've had to learn is we'll never, we'll never scale um, because I can't scale me. So if, if our ability to scale requires me to continue to do more, that's not scalability. And so really thinking about 
what the organization needs to be able to achieve a different level of scale is, um, is really the changing mindset that I think we all need to adopt. And, and, and in today's world, especially in what I think of as the platform economy, um, it, it's really about three things. It's, it's about scale, it's about scope, and it's about speed. And the, the pace of change is just faster than it ever was. And, and you have to be able to keep up with that pace as a development organization um, and as a company or you're losing out. And all of your systems really have to be designed with scalability in mind. Um, give you a little sense of scalability. I remember uh, our, our backend system receives orders and routes them to any number of stores or labs for fulfillment and then production. And, and I remember when we had our first million order day, it was during the holiday during one of the peak seasons. And I thought, man, the, the scale we had achieved to be able to receive a million photo orders and to be able to handle those and, and all the images and route them out. Um, and, and just to put that in perspective, I remember seeing something on New Year's Day from one of the people on the Google Photos team that talked about on New Year's Eve this year, over 3 billion photos were uploaded oh. to the Google Photos cloud, if you will. So the scale that companies are achieving today is nothing like we could have ever imagined, you know, 10 years ago. And that's going to be the norm for everything that you do. And then the scope is really about, in some cases, the diversification. And we have a set of products that may be fine for one small customer segment, but that's not enough for, for the business going forward. You really have to look at the breadth of your products the depth of your products and, and all of those come into play as you're, as you're really looking at how, you, how you're kind of positioning yourself for the future. And as I take a look back at, at a leadership perspective then, I have to look at how are we structuring our teams to be able to emphasize scalability at a technical level, um, but achieve scalability at a team level. If our team can't scale as the business scales, then we're going to be we're going to be the bottleneck. Um, and then how do we work at the pace that we need to? That's about empowerment, right? If every decision has to flow up the chain um, before anything can get approved, um, you'll never work at the pace that you need to work at. And, and scope is really about just opening your eyes and, and, and getting a, a, a broader perspective on the types of products, the types of markets, the wide range of customer segments, and to do that, you need people thinking differently and having a different understanding. You need a closer relationship between development and marketing and research and, and product management. So, um, so for me, a lot of it has is, is caused me to kind of shift and say, all right, as that control freak and workaholic that I am, how am I actually getting in the way and slowing <laughs> business down, right? And, and what do I need to have on a team? And, and then how do I need to empower the team? And that, that sounds a little bit cliche, but it's, it's reality. If, if your team can't act without running everything through you, you're, you're, you're really slowing everything down. Oh, without a doubt. I love it. I love it. So I'm, out of curiosity, what do you see as the most exciting trend on the horizon for Fuji and your teams? Uh, I, I just, I, I think, Chad, this explosion of photos is such a, an exciting opportunity for us and our teams. And um, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't want to convince everybody to print. What I really want to find out is, is 
what do people want to do with those photos? And sure, we all love to share them. Uh, we all love to uh, send pictures of our vacations or our dinners to friends <laughs> and, and kind of boast that this is what I'm enjoying right now, right? But it is about a very human experience, right? And it is about preserving memories and, 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 and experiencing somebody else's memories when we share. And, and I think the fact that everyone is walking around with a camera in their pocket is just super exciting. And I, I'll give you an example. One thing I was amazed at, last year, my wife and I were on a vacation and there was a family um, sitting out by the, the poolside and, and they had a little daughter and sh she was six years old. And I only know that because I asked the mom and dad afterwards. <laughs> Here's this little daughter and she's got, um, she's got a smartphone and she's out acting like a photographer to her parents. She's posing them. She's <laughs> telling them to move this way, move that way. And she's just capturing pictures. And, and I think the way you now have a generation that is growing up with photos. And what does that mean? And, and, and one thing I, I, I think back to is, all right, for us older folks, Chad, think about when the transistor radio first came about, right? That simple invention of the transistor that allowed people that carry music with them. And look at what that's done for the ubiquitous nature of music and how that's fundamentally changed the way we consume music and, and how we can consume music no matter where we are, every part of our lives. Um, and that same transition is happening with photo right now as we speak and, and it has been for some time. And what, what is that gonna mean, you know, 10 years down the road? If, if one company alone is getting you know, 3 billion photos a day. What does that mean for the larger world? And, and how does that change the way we're going to look at history? Because everything is going to be documented in everything photos, right? Yep. And um, uh, there's, that's some pretty exciting stuff. There's some scary parts to that, for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but in general, it, that's pretty exciting. Excellent, excellent. All right, so let's change direction here just a little bit. I ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply, as a revenue executive, that means you are, in the nice way of saying it, a prospect, in mm -hmm. the sales way of saying it, a target. So uh, I always like to ask our guests, how, how is the, what's the most effective way to get your attention when somebody doesn't have a relationship with you and they want to get in front of you uh, to, to you know, sell you something or show you a new solution? What's the most effective way for somebody to, to grab your attention, build the credibility so that you'll give them the 15 minutes or 20 minutes to have a conversation? Okay. Um, well, that's, a t that's a tough one, but uh, I don't want to give away all my secrets here. <laughs> You're the first one who's ever caught what I'm doing there. Yeah. So. <laughs> after 70 episodes, Jim, after 70 episodes, you just nailed it. Brother. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so what I would say is, um, first and foremost, do your homework. Uh, I'm not just a name on a list. And so uh, let me try to put it this way. Um, don't pitch your product or technology to me pitch your product to me. And, and so don't be lazy in approaching me. Do your research and, and tell your message to how your solution is going to create value for my customers, my business, and, and for me. And I, I get a lot of people that see a title and interpret it the wrong way and, and reach out to me via email and, and, or they see that I, you know, um, our company is in a different business and, and because I'm biz dev in my title, they just assume. And, and what they're pitching has absolutely nothing to do with 
me or my specific work. And, and all they had to do was look at LinkedIn and they would know that, right? There's, we all live fairly public lives now uh, from a social perspective. And, and so a little bit of homework goes a long way. And, and sometimes it's about being creative. And there's, I'll, I'll give you an example. There was a, um, there's a company that I've tried to talk to a couple times. We haven't been able to hook up. And I've been um, mildly interested in, in what they had to say, but I wasn't overly enthusiastic. And, and uh, a couple weeks ago, they reached out to me um, by sending me a tweet. Um, and the tweet included a video that they made specifically to show their concept to me and why it applies and how it would create value for me and, and my business. And that was, a, that was a tailored sales pitch done through a tweet with, that included a video. And um, uh, that 30 second video did the job better than any phone call or email. It was pretty creative and it got me to follow up with them. And, and I think it was about, they took the time to figure out um, how to show me that what they're out to sell me is really valuable to me and, and, um, and that they know who I am as opposed to I'm just another name on a list uh, or a title that they got from somewhere or an email that they got on some list that they purchased. So I think in, in general, from a technology perspective, there are so many companies I talk to on a regular basis. Um, they all have great concepts, but at the end of the day, I don't know, yeah, I've got to do a lot of diligence in terms of filtering them out. And at, at some point it becomes overwhelming. And so the best thing that I, I can tell you is the people that show me that they've put a little extra effort into learning about me and, and making this a little bit more personal will always jump to the top of the list. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Last question. Call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services, people, one piece of advice that you've learned from your career that you believe if they listened to it, and that's always the caveat with people, if they listened and applied it would help them be more successful and hit their targets, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a that's a tough one, Chad. Um, uh, my there's a first kind of reaction I have to that is is just uh, remember that we're all human beings. At, at the end of the day, people have lives, they have families. Um, we're we're all human, and and when you take that for granted when you when you approach your work, uh, you lose something. Um, I think the maybe the more focused answer is really to focus on value creation. Um, how are you creating value for your customer and your customer's customers? Um, whether it's in the products or services you sell, um, maybe it's in your particular service to your customers, how you work for them and, and support them in your day-to-day -day interactions with them. I think if you always focus on creating value in your interactions, you really can't go wrong. Excellent. James, I can't thank you enough for the time today. It has been awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate it. I know uh, it's taken us a while to make it happen. Uh, but again, I really appreciate it. I truly enjoy our ability to uh, to connect and talk. I love our conversation. So a deep and sincere thank you for me. Uh, well, well, thank you, Chad. I, I really enjoy talking with you too. I hope, uh, I hope your audience finds some value on this, but you know me, I could talk forever with you anyway. So, uh, <laughs>
thanks, thanks for the time. Uh, all right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers. If you like what you hear, do us a favor. Write us a review on iTunes. Suggest other guests that you actually want to hear from, not just these people that are reaching out saying they have something important to tell me. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.